from my standpoint, what I do this morning in the way of a sermon is a little bit different than I always do it. Maybe it comes out the same to you. Maybe you don't see the difference. But uh, there's something I want to tell you about this morning. It's, it's under our series of I wished I had realized how important that was. We have a tendency to make some things unimportant. And everything from this book is important. And what God calls me to share with you on a Sunday morning is what he wants you to know. And the title of the sermon this morning is Talking with God. Now most everybody knows about prayer. We understand a lot about prayer but we don't understand much about talking with God. You say, well, there's no difference. Oh, yes, there is, because I'm talking about a response from God to whatever we say. Now, I'll have to admit to you, I'm 81 nearly, and I've never had a preacher preach this subject to me. I've had some of them argue with me about it. But this thing of seeking guidance on a daily basis from God was first introduced to me along about 1975 by somebody that some of you have known. He was vice president of the bank, of the Merchants and Planners Bank. Mr. Pat, Pat Kelly. And he shared with me that I sit across from a desk every day and people come in and ask me to borrow money. And he said, quite frankly, I don't want the responsibility of accepting that or turning them down. And he said, with my eyes open and me looking at the customer's face, I ask him, Lord, do you want me to do this? And I always get an answer, yes or no. He said, but there's some rules we have to go by in the banking business, and several times I've had to foreclose on some widows who couldn't pay to make their payments. And he said, I'm a, I fear that I might have to answer for that after I get to heaven. But I started using this, and God started showing me scripture about it. And what I would like to do after 50 years of practicing this myself and teaching it and preaching it, I'd like to show you what my Bible says about that very subject. And I've got a little bit more scripture than I normally do, but the scripture is self-explanatory, so I'll direct you to it and read it and I think you'll be able to get what I got out of it. But if not, I've got all the scriptures that I'm dealing with today. I copied them down for you and cut it, put it on a Bible-sized piece of paper so you could slide it in your Bible. So if you want to listen, just listen to what the scriptures say. You can pick up one of these on the way out and you can continue studying it if you choose to. 
but I want to encourage you to listen to what God says today about our communication with him. If this is not important, we've got to realize that we told ourselves that it wasn't. Nobody else told us that. We have to decide the things that we hear that are important or not important. You remember we said last week that when they asked Jesus what was the first thing of importance, commandment from God, and he said to love your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, that's your being. Everything about you is commanded to love God and then to love your neighbor as yourself. Now that's where the, that's where the hassle comes in. That's where we have the problem. But I tell you folks, when a barn used to burn down, people got together and rebuilt a neighbor's barn. The air conditioner and the TV has shut our doors and our windows. We don't sit on the front porch anymore and hear what's going on at the neighbors and know what the neighbors are thinking about or what kind of problem they got. Some folks live right, right just three or four houses and folks don't even know who they are. That's not what God's talking about. God's talking about knowing who your neighbors are. And if they got a problem, you're called on to help. One big problem with being able to love God with all our heart and to love our neighbor with our, as ourselves is our communication with God. And that's what we're dealing with today. There are some hindrances that get in our way with all of this. And if you'll turn to Jeremiah chapter 10, I want to show you what God said to Jeremiah. Jeremiah got the message and he believed it. But in Jeremiah chapter 10 and verse 23, Jeremiah says, O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his own steps. That's pretty plain. You see what it's saying? God's got a plan. He's got a plan for each one of us. He's always had a plan for you. Before he even created the earth, he had a plan for you and me that preceded our even being alive. And he says that in working out his plan with your life and my life, that I don't know how to do it. So the decisions I have to make for me and my family in my life, I have to get his instructions on how to do that because it's not in me to do it. That shows us that nobody is smart enough to know God. Some people say, well, you're smarter than I am. No, I'm not. It's not about smart. Probably in the next week or so we'll talk about that too, about education and preaching because we've got a completely backwards idea about it. 
but he just simply says that spiritual things, things that come from heaven, things that God directs us to do, we do not have enough sense to do it on our own. We can't. In Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 24, you don't have to turn there, I'm fixing to read it to you. Man's goings are his steps, God says, are of the Lord. How then can a man understand his own way? The fact is, what God has got planned for each of us, we don't understand. I have to tell people all the time, well, I'm sorry, I can't answer that because God hadn't explained it to me yet. <laughs> I have to take it just like everybody else does by faith. But on your own, the fact is, the Bible teaches, on our own, with my own natural brain and my common sense, I can't figure out God's business. There's no way I can do it. I cannot know his plan for me. If you'll turn back to Isaiah chapter 59, just a few pages back to your left. Isaiah 59 and verse 1. Now listen to what this says. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither is his ear heavy that it cannot hear. Nothing wrong with God, he's saying. He told Isaiah this. There's nothing wrong with me. But your iniquities, and that word iniquities translates evil within us. The evil that is within us. And there's evil within all of us now. You've got to understand that. Not one good, it says in our scripture, not one that, 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 that loves the Lord on its own. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God. And your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear you. You see what that says? When we choose to sin and do what we know is wrong, God ignores us. He doesn't speak to us. I've asked people in the past, they said, well, I'm in a real jam and I need some help and I need you to pray for me. I said, well, is God speaking to you? They said, do what? Is God speaking to you? Well, I guess he is. Well, don't you know? You can feel being cut off from God. When he turns his face, you know it. You know he's not paying attention to you. You don't feel his love in your face. And it's our sins that cause us to stop communication with God. Now, if you will, please turn to the first chapter of Proverbs. Back a little bit more to your left. I want to show you something about our God that a lot of folks won't tell you. They won't share this with you. 
because they want to create an attitude about you and your God. But I want to show you something that God writes himself that he says about himself. And a lot of times we don't like to hear this. But God sometimes, I know we were created in his own image, but God doesn't act like us all the time. But sometimes he does, folks. There's a lot more of, of us in God than a lot of people would like to admit. In Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 24, Because I have called and you refused, I have stretched out my hand and no man regarded. God says, I, I've called you and I've stretched out my hand to try to help you and you didn't pay any attention to me. But ye have set it naught all my counsel. You didn't pay any attention to my advice, God says. What I have told you, what you've heard about me, me trying to tell you how to, how to live and how to act, you had not paid any attention to it. And would have none of my reproof when I scolded you, you didn't pay any attention to that either. I also will laugh at your calamity. I'll mock or make fun of you when your fear cometh. You wouldn't listen. You went ahead and made your decision up to do your own stuff, and now you're in a jam, and you're scared to death, and now you call on me. When your fear cometh as desolation and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. Your history is you hadn't paid any attention to me. You've lived your life without me, just like I wasn't, didn't even exist. And now you got yourself in a jam, now you want me to pull you out of it. But I will not answer. They shall seek me early. That means early in the morning. I mean, before daylight, you get up, you wake, you wake already praying before daylight. Lord, get me out of this mess. But they shall not find me. For that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would none of my counsel. They would have none of my counsel. They despised all my reproof. Therefore shall they eat of the fruit of their own way. What did daddy used to say and mama used to say when we was little? I've already told you what to do now. If you choose to do it on your own, you get yourself in a jam. Don't call me. And be filled with their own devices. Living without God's guidance, folks, gets you in a mess. And so many people are not told that that's not the way God wants us to live, that he wants us every day to ask him about every single question that comes up in our mind, every way we turn, every way we move, every decision we make. God said, if you will ask me, I'll show you. For the turning away of the simple shall slay them. I mean, if you just refuse to listen to God long enough, it might get you killed. 
and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. I heard a fellow say one time, I've never seen a fellow that got so, his hands on so much money that he didn't make a fool out of himself with it. And people do that if they got enough. But whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely and shall be at ease or quiet from fear of evil. How many people want peace? How many people in this world today, we see them on our TV, we see them in the news, we see them in the government, they got no peace. You can look at them until they got no peace. They uptight, they anxious, they scared to death. They don't know what tomorrow's going to bring and they're scared to death. God said, if you listen to me, you won't be like that. You'll be at peace. You'll have peace. And in the process of that, you'll learn what to be concerned about and what not to be concerned about. That is the idea for this whole series of sermons is knowing what to be concerned about what not to be concerned about. He said, if you listen to me and take my advice, you won't have to be afraid of anything. So wait a minute now. Wait, wait, wait a minute. All right, you preaching all this. Now how do we do it? How do you go about doing what I'm talking about? Look at Isaiah chapter 30. It's just over a little bit to your right. Isaiah chapter 30. This is a most interesting scripture in the way God answers us as we deal with him. And the pictures that he creates with what he says. And Jesus, when Jesus came along, he said, I'm just like God. You've seen God, you've seen, I mean, you've seen me, you've seen God. I'm just like him. And we see that God uses the same parables and the same everyday experiences that we're living in that Jesus did. And he tells us that away. He gives us advice that away with things that we know about. In Isaiah chapter 30 and verse 21, let's look at verse 20 first. And though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction. What am, whoa, 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 whoa. God says in this life you shall have tribulation. And I've preached to you before that some of that comes from God simply because we won't turn to him unless we hurt. See, he's got to make us hurt to get our attention. Though the Lord give you the bread of adversity or trouble and the water of affliction, ye shall not thy teachers be removed unto a corner anymore, but thine eyes shall see thy teachers. Who is thy teachers? People who speak for God. That's who they are. Now look what verse 20 says, 21 says, And thine ears shall hear a word 
behind thee, saying, This is the way. Walk ye in it when ye turn to the right hand and when ye turn to the left. Now let me show you this picture that he has created with this verse. He says you will hear a word behind you. Turn to the left or turn to the right. This is the picture of a beast of burden, an oxen or a mule or a horse. The ones who direct them are always behind them. Even if they're on their back, they're behind their head, they're behind their ears. You shall hear a word behind you saying, go left or go right. When you hook up an animal to a piece of equipment, whether it's a plow or a wagon or a buggy or an ox-drawn cart, whatever it is, the person directing the direction that they pull is always behind them. So he says, just like you're driving your livestock, you'll hear a voice behind you say, turn to the left or turn to the right. And what he's telling you is, this is the way. Walk ye in it. This is the way I want you to go. Now the words for left and right, and he uses them in the terminology of this verse, is G and haw. Do you all know that? You ever plowed a mule? You ever used any kind of a team? You ever rode in a wagon? Those animals that are walking without anybody in front of them, they got to know which way to go. And G is universal for right. It always has been. And haw is universal for left. You see these old movies and these guys driving wagons and stuff like that and they're hollering haw and haw and he and gee and gee. They're telling the, the animals pulling the wagon which way to turn. And God is telling you that, he said. It's interesting to me. We all know the story of Paul's conversion when Jesus struck him down on the road to Damascus. And he says, Master, who art thou? That's what he said. He said, I'm Jesus, the one you're persecuting, the one you're going after. He said, it's hard to kick against the pricks, isn't it? Do you know what that meant? Ox drivers take a long stick and they sharpen it, real sharp, and they turn it in the fire till the end of it gets just as hard as steel. And they walk, you've seen pictures of them, they walk behind their oxen and they call to the oxen, gee, or haw, and tell them which direction to go. And when they don't mind the ox driver, he pokes them with that sharp stick in the hip, down on the leg. And if the oxen is so stubborn that he still won't listen to the command, he kicks at that sharp stick. And the ox driver says, I'm not doing it to him. You just hurt yourself. 
That all is the things that God is assuming here. When you don't listen to me, when you don't take direction from me, and you get in a jam, you're just hurting yourself. You're not hurting me. I'm in heaven. I'm a spirit. I can't be hurt. You're doing it to yourself. And so he says, God says, on the authority of the word of God, he says, I will be behind you telling you whether to turn left or turn right. I don't know if you've got promises marked in your scripture or not, but to me that's a promise. God says he'll do that. Is God doing that in your life? Do you know how to hear the voice of God? Do you just pray and then get up and hope that maybe your prayer will be answered? Or do you stay on your knees long enough to hear God respond to you? Communication all the way through the Bible is two ways, folks. God has been speaking to people in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Nowhere I know that it says. I mean, it even says they quit worshiping on Saturday and start working on worshiping on Sunday. It says he quit living in the churches and started living in our hearts. But it doesn't say anywhere I quit talking to anybody. <laughs> if I did, you caused it. God is still speaking to people every day and we don't often enough realize that it's so important that we listen to it. Any kind of time we've got a decision to make, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, we don't know what's going to happen next week, next month, and wouldn't it be nice if somebody was to tell us, if you will make your decision this way, then next month it won't come to bite you. That's what he's saying. We need to listen to the Lord. He speaks to us, and he speaks in a voice that you will recognize. I can remember being on my knees in the 70s and saying, Lord, I've been told, but what if Satan is speaking to me? And my Bible told me, Satan can't get in your brain. He lives out here. He can't get in your mind and tell you stuff. If you're born again, he can if you're not. But if you're born again, Satan cannot get in your head. And I can remember the time that I prayed, Lord, I'm going to start doing what I hear in my head to do, and I'm going to pray that it comes from you. If it doesn't work that way, you better take care of it because I'm fixing to do everything I hear. And I started doing it. And God since then has shown me, you stepped out in faith, you chose to do this, you won't have to worry about me. I'll show you what to do from now on. And he has. But we got an enemy. And it keeps God from talking to us sometimes. We turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. 
in verse 5. Peter, the guy that cut off the guy's ear, didn't have a clue what God was doing. Thought he was helping God. Jesus had to put the man's ear back on. But 1 Peter, chapter 5, he, when Peter came around, he came around big. And he said, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Hey, young folks, respect your elders. You ever heard that? There was a time when everybody did. Respect your elders. Yea, all of you be subject one to another. He's talking about Christians here, people. He's talking about born-again folks, at least them. And be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud. He opposes, that's the word, that's the definition of the word resist. He opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. Humble yourself, therefore, before under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. What that means is in his time. You quit worrying about what people are saying about you. You quit worrying that people are trying to run you down. And you just humble yourself. Don't take up for yourself. Don't fight people for yourself even for your own reputation. I'm in charge of that, and I will bring you up when I consider it the time to do it. Whoa. I was taught in everything that I did with college and school and everything else that I was supposed to operate with all the self-confidence in the world. I can handle it. I can do it. No, I can't either. I learned pretty early. I can't do that. If God doesn't give me the grace and the mercy and the strength to do something, a lot of times I can't do it. And when I do it on my own, it don't look like it does when he does it. It really doesn't. I was all, you know, you got to be responsible. You got to deal with people with self-confidence. You got to sell yourself. No, no. I had a very successful man tell me one time when I first started my business 50, 60 years ago, if you're ever going to be successful, you got to look successful. I said, yeah, you can go to the poorhouse looking successful. I know that. Because you have a tendency to go buy stuff on time. And if you're not careful and the money don't come in, you can get caught not able to make your payment. Why don't you just wait, humble yourself, and pay cash for everything you can as it comes along. That way you know when it's bought, it's bought. Humble thyself before the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you when he figures his time. Now here's another catch. What did I say that Jesus said the second most important commandment was? To love your neighbors yourself. 
A very, very spiritual friend of mine told me years ago, that means treating other people like they're better than you are. Nobody's doing that anymore, people. Nobody. Nobody. You're just in my way. You're dirt that I can be stepping on. Get out of my way. I don't like what you said. I'm offended by it. And so I'll burn your store down. That's the way we're living today, folks. What does he say? Be subject one to another. Be subordinate to. Be obedient to each other. What better way to do that than to treat other people like they're better than you? And if you do that, you won't get in many fights. You won't get in many scuffles. You won't get in many arguments. Treating other people like they're better than you. But see, that's not what the world teaches. And that's not what Satan teaches. Don't you let nobody run over you. That's the way I started out. It took five guys in Greenville, Mississippi to change my mind. They like to beat me to death. And after that, I said, I'm not going to fight anybody. I started out to be a real smart idiot. I did. And it didn't work. It's just like Proverbs chapter 1. I suffered for my own decisions. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. You don't have to turn there. I'm fixing to read it to you. For I say, through the grace that is given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. But we do it. We do it. It's our natural way of doing things. It's to put ourselves above other people. That's not what Jesus did. Not what he taught. And we are called to be like Jesus. In James chapter 4 and verse 8 says, Draw near unto God, and he'll draw near unto you. Well, I'd like to get closer to God. It's not God's problem, that's yours. If you'll commit yourself to want to be closer to God, God will draw closer to you. And in the process, he'll teach you everything you need to know about him. So here's the thing, people. We serve a God that has just said these six or seven things to us. If you heard what he said in his word, he's not lying. He just explained how he operates. Well, then I ask you, why is nobody telling all of us that all the time? Because they don't believe it. They don't believe it. The seminaries aren't teaching it. And so the preachers don't pass it along to us. But I think you have heard, I mean, all I knew to do was to put the scriptures together that God taught me to give you the message that God gave me. That if you'll let me run your business, your business will go better. 
What does he say in Deuteronomy? I put in front of you a curse and a blessing. You choose this day what you're going to do. You can be blessed by following me, just like he said in Proverbs chapter 1. Or you can have to eat your own crow. <laughs> you chose it. But you see, if we don't realize that, that we have this privilege, if nobody tells us that God has just said what he said to you and to me, we don't know that. And we think we're doing as well as anybody else. But we're not, because God's wanting us closer and closer and closer, knowing more about him all the time. And to do that, we got to communicate with him. And some people will tell you, all you're going to know about God is what you read in the book. That's not true. <laughs> and I can show you 14 more times as many scriptures as I've read to you today that that's not true. That God wants you to ask him what to do and then wait on him. Be still and know that I'm God. Be still and know. Don't start running around here like a chicken with his head cut off. Mama used to say, get down off your high horse with me, boy. That meant I was acting too much of a smart at it. Humble thyself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you. He'll bring you up. He'll make people realize who, how, how good you are and how nice you are and what kind of person you are when he's ready. He says in another place, I didn't think about for the sermon, don't brag on yourself. Let somebody else brag on them. So we get humble. And God resists us to proud and gives us grace when we humble ourselves. Let's pray. Father, teach us to lean on you. Teach us to at least not make the big decisions in our life without consulting you first and then waiting on your answer. You say in Ecclesiastes, there's a time and a season for everything. So sometimes... It's just not the time to have the prayer answered. And we have to wait a few days till it is time. And you have all knowledge so you know when it is. So don't let us, Lord, go around here making our own decisions without praying and asking you about it and then waiting on you to answer. I pray that we might believe enough to know that we can do that, and that's the way it's supposed to be. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.